Palm Sunday, spoken by Pastor Peter on. Thank you for joining us today online. We're grateful that you're here with us. And uh, the last time I came up here and preached was back at March 1st. It was almost, it was over four Sundays ago. And uh, some of you are probably wondering what, what took you so long. Well, I was supposed to be in Israel and uh, a couple weeks ago, but that trip, of course, got canceled because of COVID-19. And uh, back in March 1st, uh, one person tested positive for COVID-19. One person in the New York, New Jersey area. Today, we have over 150,000 people in the metropolitan area that have tested positive for COVID-19. Our world has changed dramatically in the span of four weeks, and it will probably never be the same as a result of it. Worldwide, this virus has claimed, uh, inf- infected 100, uh, 1 million, 1.2 million people. And of course, the United States, unfortunately, is leading the way with 315,000 people infected by this virus, and New York, New Jersey uh, accounts for about half of that. And uh, I cannot tell you or stress the importance of social distancing for you to listen to the CDC, uh, for you to be making sure that you wash your hands for 20 seconds. And uh, if you think you know how to wash your hands, uh, I really don't think you do. You need to watch some videos. I I watched the video with Dr. Oz and he's a surgeon and he showed us how do surgeons wash their hands so that there's no uh, infection or there's any bacteria in their hands. And you got to watch those videos because your fingertips are key when you wash your hands. And many of us, when we just wash our hands, we just wash it like this, but we got to get to our fingertips. So make sure, make sure uh, you're, you're washing your hands multiple, multiple times a day, especially when you are outside and you come back, that you do so. But here's what's happening today for a lot of us. And I sensed this as I was worshiping today. So many of us are gripped by fear, gripped by fear to the point of paralyzation. It's overwhelming us at home. It really is. Every day we hear the stories and we're overwhelmed by that. Listen, I am not saying that fear is something that we should not be experiencing. I do think it's an emotion that's there for us and we should have some sense of fear, but that fear must never become bigger than God. And for a lot of us today, if we're going to be very honest, this fear has become bigger than God and it's paralyzed us in so many ways. And whenever that happens, whenever we get to a point where we enter a crisis and fear becomes bigger than God himself, we start to question and our theology or our understanding of God becomes compromised. Has your understanding of God been compromised during this season? I mean, when you think about this and you think about, well, if God's really a God of love, how could he allow 66,000 people to die? during COVID-19. How could he do that? Many of us are wondering. We're asking God a lot of different questions and I'm not saying those questions are wrong because I think it's important that we engage in those kinds of questions. But a lot of times for many of us is that when we go through a crisis like COVID-19, our understanding of God is compromised and our ability to know him for who he truly is really struggles. We struggle with that. And so today, we're celebrating Palm Sunday, one of the most important days on the Christian calendar. Jesus enters into Jerusalem for the very last time. He's only days away before his crucifixion. He enters into the greatest crisis of his life. And in this story that we're going to look at in the Gospel of Luke, 
Jesus, we're going to focus on his actions. As he's entering into his crisis, as he goes into Jerusalem, we are going to extract, we're going to focus on his actions. And as we look at his actions, we are going to be able to learn some important theological truths about God that I hope can be restored upon your life as you and I today grappled every day with COVID-19. It says in Hebrews 1.3, here's what it says. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. I'm going to read that again one more time. Hebrews 1.3. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus Christ When you and I focus on his actions, we learn about who God is. Every act of Jesus Christ will teach us something about God. And as Jesus enters into the greatest crisis of his life, as he enters into Jerusalem with such courage, and I do believe agony, we are going to be able to learn some powerful truths about who God is so that we too can walk faithfully in the crisis that we are living in today which is COVID-19. What do we learn about God? Through Jesus' actions. That's what I want to talk to you today as we look at the passage in Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 44. So let's just go there. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke 19, verses 28 to 44. It'll be up on your screens as well. Luke 19, verse 28 to 44. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully to praise God in a loud voice, in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time. God coming to you. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so God, I just pray that for everyone watching today online right now, Holy Spirit, would you fill their room? Would you fill their homes? And I pray God that we would never be slaves to fear. Although fear is an emotion that we should be feeling, I pray that we would never enslave ourselves to it. And Lord, as we focus on the last week of your life, as you enter into Jerusalem for the very last time, help us to learn about our Father through your actions so that 
we can continue to move forward with our lives, even during the crisis that we find ourselves in today. And so God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and all of our hearts watching today, I pray God that it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And all of God's people said, Amen. All right. Um, So like I said, every act of Jesus will teach us something about God. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And so as we look at the story on Palm Sunday, what do we learn about God from the actions of Jesus? There are three things that we learn about God through the actions of Jesus that's going to help us during the season of COVID-19. What's the first thing we learn? The first thing we learn from Jesus' actions is that our God is faithful that our God is faithful. Do you believe today that God is faithful during this season that we find ourselves in today? Jesus believed it so much so that he decides to be faithful to God and enter into Jerusalem for the very last time in his life because he believed and trusted and depended upon his life, upon the faithfulness of God. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent out ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it, and he went along. People spread their cloaks on the road. Jesus is faithful to God. He enters into Jerusalem, heading towards his crucifixion. That's what Jesus is doing. As he enters, as he's faithful to God, as he shows his actions are faithful to God, what we learn today is that our God is faithful Our God is truly faithful. What Jesus was doing as he entered into Jerusalem was to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 where it says that the king will enter in a donkey and that's exactly what Jesus is doing. This king has to enter into in with a donkey and the donkey's not even his. That's the kind of king that you and I serve. Our God is truly faithful. What I mean by faithfulness is that our God is sovereign, that he is in control, that even during this time of COVID-19, as you and I are struggling with the unpredictability of this, that our God is truly faithful. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that our God is faithful? Can I get a virtual amen to that? Our God is faithful. He is sovereign. Because Jesus Christ, we see here on the last week of his life, he enters into Jerusalem and he is faithful to God so much so, Jesus depended upon this because as courageous as he was to enter into this, he knew what this would mean. He knew that this would eventually lead to his death on the cross. And we're going to learn just a little bit of how hard that was for him. Jesus Christ depended upon God's faithfulness and that's why he was faithful to him. And as a result, what happens? Jesus is standing and sitting at God's right hand. The faithfulness of God. Now the most important thing we need to ask ourselves is how do we encounter that faithfulness? How do you and I encounter the faithfulness of God? Here's how we do it. It has nothing to do with your expectations of God. So many of us today, we link God's faithfulness to our understanding of what we feel God needs to do in our lives, where we need to have some level of control of an outcome in our lives. 
Does that make sense? And for a lot of us, because we have these desired outcomes and we go to God in prayer and hoping that God would answer these desired outcomes, and if God does, then we will say that he's faithful, but when he does it, we automatically conclude that he's not. And that's why during the season of COVID-19, so much of our understanding of God is being compromised because so many of us are struggling today. Some of you are struggling with this deep sense of fear that you may not have a job in a couple of weeks. I get that. That's deep fear that I'm sure you're experiencing. Some of you are struggling with the fact that, uh, that you don't have a job. You got laid off already. You're wondering, how are you going to pay the bills? And so you're praying for some desired outcomes to God. And I get that as well. Some of you are so fearful of getting this virus. And you're praying that God will keep you safe. And you will not believe that your God is faithful today until he keeps you safe to the very end. And God forbid you get this virus. Many of you would say, you're not faithful, God. And some of you right now have the virus. And if you do, I just want you to know right now that we as a church and we as a pastoral staff, we are praying for you every single day that God would bring healing to you. So many of us, we base our faithfulness, our understanding of God's faithfulness based upon our expectations of God, based upon the outcomes that we want from him. And my friends, if that's how you deem God being faithful in your lives, then you don't truly understand and know the depth of God's faithfulness. You really don't. You see, what Jesus does here is that he gives us later on in a couple days, we see something so beautiful that Jesus does in his life. He, he is so overwhelmed with the crisis that he is going to experience, which is his death, that he takes some of his disciples, Peter, James, and John with him, and they go to a garden called Gethsemane. And Jesus literally falls on his knees and he's praying. And the gospel of Luke says he's in such agony that he's sweating droplets of blood. I love that because we see the reality of his humanity and how much he struggled with his crucifixion, right? And he prays a prayer like many of you and I do. What does he pray? He says, God, please take away this cup from me. I don't want this. And that means, and what that teaches us is that we can go to God and we can't pray for certain things. You can't pray that God will give you a job. You can't pray that God will help you through this financially. You can pray all the time that God will protect you from the coronavirus. And if you have the coronavirus, you can pray that God would bring healing to you. Those are prayers that we can go to God with because Jesus did so at the Garden of Gethsemane. But what we forget to do is how he ended the prayer. And he ended the prayer simply by saying, but not my will be done, but yours. You see, if you want to encounter the faithfulness of God, here's what we have to do. We have to go to God and pray with our hearts the things that we hope that God will help us with. But at the end of the day, we have to end our prayers with, not my will be done, but yours. You see, Jesus knew that at the end of the day, God knew what was best for him. He knew at the end that no matter how hard this was going to be, that in the end that God knew truly what was best. And he submitted himself to the sovereignty of God. And if you ever want to get through this COVID-19 season that you and I are living in today, we have to get to a place where we go to God in our prayers, pray the things that we want to pray. But at the end, conclude our prayers with, but not my will be done, but may your will be done. That's what God desires for you and for me today. Because if we don't do that and we continue to link our expectations of God and him meeting those expectations to his faithfulness, then my friends, you're not worshiping and you're not believing in a God. You're just believing in a God that you have created in your own image. Our God is faithful because of what happened today. 
in 2,000 years ago, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. He sends Jesus Christ to die for you and for me on the cross. Rise from the dead. Our faithfulness, our understanding of God's sovereignty, his love for us is always and must always be demonstrated on what he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Please, during this season, I know it's so hard to make sense of everything, but if we base our faithfulness to God or our understanding of God's faithfulness to the desired outcomes that we want God to partner with us in, then you don't really believe in this God. We have to be like Jesus, knowing that in the end, I'm just going to trust in the faithfulness of God. Not my will be done, but may your will be done. One of the best leadership books I read this year was a book uh, called Leadership on the Line. It's written by an author named Heifus and Linsky. Uh, They are Harvard professors, so this is not a Christian leadership book. This is just a business book. But this book was amazing because it talks about how do leaders lead during crisis, And basically, their conclusion is that most leaders do not know how to lead through crisis because they fall into this temptation that many of us fall into all the time when we approach God. They say that leaders, when they fall into crisis, the problem with crisis is that you can never predict the outcome or even control it. But leaders are always trying to predict the outcome. And And the unfortunate reality of it is that they are embracing a technical way of leading that always tries to predict the outcome. And the book says that leaders can never lead properly during a crisis when they lead in that technical fashion because technicality, leading in a technical style, means that you are trying to predict different outcomes, right? So like companies have policies, and even if there's crisis happening, a lot of times some, pe- some leaders will just go to the policy book and say, well, here, in our policy, you really can't take any more days off. You only get two, week- two weeks of sick leave. You have COVID-19, I'm sorry, but you get two weeks, and after that, you don't get paid. Right? Some leaders will do that. And what they say in their books, they're saying that the only way we can lead properly is embrace an adaptive leadership style. And here's the way how you and I as leaders can adapt, uh, can embrace this kind of style. They say the only way you and I can lead adaptively is we as leaders give up the right to predict the outcome. That we just learn to adapt and we flow And we just continue to move day by day, not knowing what is going to happen in the end. I think that's such powerful wisdom for us today. Because when we go through crisis, what do we do? We go to God in our prayers. And what do we become? We become very technical with God, don't we? We start telling God how he needs to do his job, what he needs to do. And we end our prayers with an amen. Hoping that God would do it. And if God doesn't answer our prayers, what usually happens? Our understanding of God is compromised. Adapt, what we have to embrace is not a technical form of prayer, but we have to learn to embrace an adaptive form of prayer. Adaptation of prayer is simply us going to God, praying the things that we want God to hopefully partner with us in. But at the end of the day, adaptive prayer is not my will be done, but yours. Trusting ourselves under the leadership of our sovereign God. Knowing that in the end, that when God looks at your life, he doesn't just look at it, look at it during the season of COVID-19. He sees it from the totality of your life here on earth, and he sees it, the totality of your life with him even in heaven. And that's why our God is faithful. We can trust in him. During COVID-19, my hope and my prayer is that you would truly know that your God is faithful. And what that means simply is that you 
let go of your expectations of how you believe God should work in your life and in the life of this world. And you simply pray the prayers that are on your heart. And at the end, you say, but not my will be done, God. May your will be done. Because when that happens, here's the second thing we learn about God. The second thing. The second thing we learn from Jesus' action about God is that we learn that God delights in our worship. God delights in our worship. When you and I can get to a place where we understand the faithfulness of God that is so beautifully exemplified through the person of Jesus Christ, then we begin to see that God delights in worship and we too will delight in it as well. Look at verse 37. This is, this is beautiful. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I love this. Jesus is delighting in worship so much, which teaches us that our God delights in our worship. What I love about this is that the Pharisees were saying that this was blasphemous. They told Jesus to tell his disciples to stop this. And what does Jesus say? He says, listen, if they stop, you know who else is going to worship me? The stones. And what Jesus is saying is that he's indicting the Pharisees. He's saying, you know what? Even the stones know more about me than you do. Even the stones know more about my faithfulness than you do. And they will cry out if they keep silent. So many of us, if truth be told, because our understanding of God's faithfulness is so messed up sometimes, creation knows more about God's faithfulness than we do. And they will worship in our stead if we decide not to worship God. Our God loves, delights when we worship him in spirit and in truth. He does. And here's the thing. For a lot of us in this room, a lot of us who are watching today, I don't know where you are in the sense of how you... uh, the, like to worship God or not, but I hope and my hope and my prayer that as you experience the faithfulness of God in your life, that you too will begin to find the joy and the hope in worshiping our God. And uh, worship is something that every single one of us watching, you know how to do. I know. We've all been created to worship God, but for a lot of us, sometimes we worship other things. And the reason why I know that is because, you know, a lot of us, we're hurting right now because of COVID-19, For those who love sports, sports have ceased. I mean, right now, the Yankees should be playing. There is so much hope for the Yankees for this year. We signed Garrett Cole. We have a chance to win the World Series. You know how much I was looking forward to opening day? But there's no, but it's not happening. We may not see baseball to July, maybe August. Who knows? NBA season. This is getting close to playoff time. And a lot of us are hurting right now because we can't watch sports. But I'm telling you right now, if there were sports, these people that go in to watch their teams, cheering them on, you know what they're doing? They're worshiping their teams. Why do they do that? Why do we do it so naturally? Because naturally God created us to do it. Because whatever captures our heart, we worship. Whatever captures your heart, you worship. Whether it's somebody, whether it's a sports team, you worship. Whether it's a celebrity or a singer, you will worship. My daughter this week, she's been bugging me for the past three months, two months, three months, to watch Taylor Swift's documentary on Netflix. 
My daughter is a Swifter. I think that means a Swift fan. She loves, Christina loves Taylor Swift. And at school, she'd call me and be like, Dad, did you watch Taylor Swift? I said, no, no, I didn't. And she's a huge Swift fan, so she wanted me to watch it. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I mean, I like some of her songs, but I'm not going to spend an hour and a half watching it, you know, by myself. And so, you know, she's been home now for over a month now. And uh, she said this week, she said, uh, let's watch it. And so she forced me. And so we watched it. We sat at the home, and I watched this documentary. And uh, I, it, was, it was pretty decent. It was okay. It was good. Uh, I got to say that uh, I really respect how she writes songs. I mean, it was really great to get an inside look at how she does that. But I'm telling you, her fans, they know how to worship her because they're so captivated by her. She's captured their heart. At concerts, they were screaming and yelling, and some of them have got an opportunity to meet her. I saw this one fan. She fell on the floor, and she started weeping. Taylor didn't teach them how to do this. They just did it naturally. Why? Because God has created us to naturally worship him. And you worship whatever captures your heart. You naturally do. And here's the thing. God doesn't want you to worship him because he's a narcissist. No, because when you and I worship him, think about the things you worship today. It brings so much joy to your heart. It excites you. It gives you a greater passion for life. Has God captured your heart today? Has God's faithfulness captured your heart through the person of Jesus Christ? Because why is it that we worship people, celebrities, technology? Why does that capture our heart more than Jesus Christ, who now enters into Jerusalem for the last time, dies for us on the cross, rises from the dead, so that God could shout to you and I how much he loves us. Why doesn't that capture our hearts today? Why doesn't it capture our hearts? During this COVID-19 season that you and I are living in, I pray that you would know the faithfulness of God during this holy week. And as you do, that you will begin to worship him, that God would capture your heart. And as you worship him, not only will God delight in it, but you will as well. And your fears will not be so great where it controls every area of your life and you will know that he truly has you in the palm of his hands. David in Psalm 73 says something so beautiful. He says, when I try to understand all the hardships in my life, all the things that I'm trying to figure out, why is this happening? Why are the, hurt, uh, are the wicked selling in life? And why am I struggling all these things? David says, it became oppressive to me. A lot of times, many of us, we pursue God in search of answers. And I am telling you, that's not why you and I should pursue him. We pursue him because of his faithfulness. David says, when I try to understand all these things in Psalm 73, 73, he says, it became oppressive to me until I entered his sanctuary. See, what David was saying is that once I started to worship him, I didn't care about the answers anymore. Why? Because I encountered the faithfulness of God. My hope and prayer is that during COVID-19, you would know the faithfulness of your God. And as he captivates your heart that way, that you would, as Sunita said so beautifully last Sunday, she says, when we worship God, it's like we blow him a tender kiss. That you would blow God a tender kiss today because of his faithfulness through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen?
the very last thing we learn from Jesus' actions is that God weeps over the lost. God weeps over the lost. Some of you are saying, where is God during this time? What is God doing? What is he up to? He's weeping. He's weeping for the lost, for the people who are hurting. Today. Look at verse 41. Verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the, chi- and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus weeps. He weeps because people didn't recognize that he was God, that he was the Messiah. He weeps for the lost. And understand the lost aren't just people who don't know God. The lost are actually the religious people who don't recognize who God is and don't recognize his faithfulness in the person of Jesus Christ. And God loves, when we realize this powerful truth that God delights in those who worship him, understand that he weeps for those who don't worship him. Because they realize, because he knows that they're lost and that they're left to their vices and to their fears and to all the different things that they're struggling with in their lives. Jesus is weeping here for the lost. He's weeping for those, even those followers of, of, of God that don't get it. He's weeping for them. He's weeping for these people because all they want from him is their protection rather than his love. That's why he's weeping. And so Jesus weeps. And he weeps for the lost. And today, God is weeping for the lost. He's weeping for those who are hurting. Here's what's happening in the context of this passage here. The people of God wanted the Messiah to come and to defeat the Roman Empire. They They wanted peace from their land. They want a peace from the Roman government. They want a peace from that kind of oppression. And their understanding of the Messiah was the person who was going to come and deliver that kind of peace of them, that kind of peace to them. And that's what Jesus was mourning here. That's why he was weeping. Why? Because God was not offering them peace for their land. He was offering them peace for salvation. Peace with their relationship with him. That was the peace that God was offering. And so I think a lot of us are like this today. A lot of us, we approach God, and what do we want? We want peace from COVID-19. We're praying to God like like these Jewish people were back 2,000 years ago. We're praying that God would bring peace from COVID-19. But God's weeping today, I think, because he's not offering us peace for that. He's offering us peace with him, peace to enter into this relationship with him, that God will prove he loves you, not by protecting you from this, but giving you and I the strength to endure this season of our lives. Amen. That is what God is going to do. And because these people didn't see this, because they didn't see that God was going to join them and give them the strength to endure the season in their lives, they just wanted God to come and defeat the Roman Empire so they can have peace in their land. Jesus weeps. He weeps. Why? Because they have made a conscious choice to reject God. And as a result of that, when we make a conscious choice to reject God, you know what happens next? Judgment. We make the choice to receive God's judgment and we see the harshness of what the judgment could be because Jesus gives a prophetic judgment here that comes true in 70 AD when the Roman government destroyed the temple of God and many people of God were killed 
during that time. God weeps for the lost Metro. He's a God of love. He wants you to embrace his peace of salvation, this peace today that he wants to give to you, where you would know the depth of his faithfulness to you. And as a result of it, he can capture your heart where you blow him a tender kiss regularly. And that's not all. That because God's heart weeps for the lost, that he wants your heart to weep for the lost as well. That during the season of COVID-19, my hope is that your, your, your hope isn't just for you to be safe. That your hearts would weep for the lost. That you would realize that this is an opportunity for you to be God's hands and feet and to let people know how much God loves them. That if there are people that you know that have this virus, that you would reach out and connect with them in some ways. That you would do whatever you can during this season to reach out to the lost. Listen, if you have your health here today, please don't just think for a moment that you have your health. If you have a job and you're financially secure, please don't think for just a moment that you have that and it's okay. You're just going to weather the storm. No! God has given you those things so that you can be soft and light to him in this world. To be a blessing, to serve, and to have a heart that breaks God's heart. And that's the lost. Metro, next Sunday is Easter, the most powerful and most important day on the Christian calendar. It's about the resurrection. We're going to start a new series called the I Am. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection, we're going to go into that. My hope, can I just encourage you to do maybe one thing? Think about inviting your friends and your family to our Easter service online at home. They can join us. And who knows what can happen? Maybe God would speak to them. Could I encourage you to think about doing that? That you would think and pray about that. And even if you don't do that, if, if you choose not to, reach out to some people this week. Check in on them. See how they're doing. Pray for them. If anyone needs help, go for it. Help them the best you can, serving them. I'm so encouraged by the people in our church. We are, we are supporting and feeding 30 families in our community. Every Saturday, we get together creating grocery and packages and we drop them off at people's homes. There are so many different ways in how we can get involved and serve our people during this time who are struggling and hurting. Because people are lost today. And there's something wrong with our faith if we can acknowledge that God is weeping for the lost and we're not. There's something deeply wrong with our faith if that's the case. God weeps for the lost. We see it through Jesus' actions and Jesus wants you and I today to weep as well. Our God is faithful. He truly is faithful when we can pray to him, not my will be done, but may your will be done. Our God delights in our worship because we know, because he knows that he has captured our hearts. And our God weeps for the lost. May you as well. Today is our 16-year anniversary as a church. Back in April 4th of 2004, Metro Community Church started. And uh, it, was a, it was a real great launch service that we had. I still remember it was as if it was like yesterday. I know we have a couple pictures we're going to show from it. Um, but I remember it like yesterday. We were at the Fort Lee Athletic Club. And about 104 or 5 people attended that service. It was pretty amazing. I never forgot it. And if you were to tell me... That day, that 16 years later, that I would be preaching in an empty room to a camera, I would have told you, you are crazy. But such is the case in the world in which we're living in right now. 
during this journey, these past 16 year journey, there's been so many things that I've been kind of thinking and reminiscing about. And, um, and to be honest, I know we're here in spirit together, but I wish you were here together in this room with me celebrating this day together. And there's a part of me that's saddened about that. But I'm so grateful because so many amazing things have happened in my life during the past 16 years of pastoring this church and doing my best to lead it, even though I failed many of times. Um, one of the highlights for me during the past 16 years is that God blessed me with two amazing children. Kayla was born a month after we launched this church in 2004 of April. She was born in May. And a Christian was born uh, almost 18 months later. He was born in December of 2005. And we started out as a family of three, but in about a year and a half, we were a family of five. And that's been the greatest blessing of all. I've learned so much. And I'm grateful because during the past 16 years, what God has taught me, sort of, I think, midway of the past, like year eight, that he taught me that building my family was so much more important than building the church. And so I did that to the best of my ability. And, and this season, as we've been sort of uh, encouraged to stay home every day, it's been really great being with my family and we've been connecting. You know, my kids are older, so I, I feel you parents who have the little ones. You know, my kids are older, they're all teenagers. And so it's just been great for us to connect. And every day I, I say to them, I, I want them to know, I say, hey guys, did I tell you how proud I am to be a part of this family? And I say it so much that they're getting so sick of it. They're like, stop saying it, dad. I'm so sick of hearing you saying it, but I am. I'm so proud to be a part of this amazing family that God has blessed me with. It's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. God has taught me so much about how to be a, a better husband through some of these mentors that, I've, that poured into my life that have helped me because if it wasn't for them, I'm telling you right now, I don't know where I would be in my marriage with Jenny. I'm grateful for that. It's been a blessing. Leadership, God has been teaching me so much about leadership in the past 16 years. And even though you sort of get older and I'm in my mid-40s now, I'm learning more about leadership these days than I have even like the last 15 years of me being the leader here at Metro, and it's been amazing. How about our, our church, kind of where God's leading us, that God's going to lead Metro to one day build a community center for Englewood. It'll be the first community center in the history of this city, that God's going to use our church for that. It's going to be a blessing. I'm so grateful right now. You know how we've been pursuing Liberty School, and Sunita and I were having a talk this week about this, but we, in some ways, just said, thank God for his faithfulness that we didn't get Liberty School right away. Because if we did, we'd have to be paying construction workers right now, all this stuff during COVID-19. And right now, in God's sovereignty, in God's faithfulness, he knows what time. And he knows his timing. His timing is perfect. And we're just going to submit ourselves to that because it's not about our will being done, but it's about his will being done. Right? And so we're going to do that. So we're grateful for that. So the past 16 years have been so wonderful. But also, I will have to say, these past 16 years have been some of the hardest years of my life. I have aged more than I think I have. And um, it's been, it hasn't been easy the whole 16 years. I've struggled quite a bit with my leadership, a lot. And uh, many of you know the story. About year five, I almost quit as a pastor because I just, I struggled so much with working myself to death and trying to prove to myself because I had so much shame in my life that I'm not a loser, that I am not uh, a bad pastor. And so I lived to prove myself that I was not. And that was an awful place for me to be. Um, during the past 16 years, my father passed away. Passed away several years ago, and that was hard. And it only made it harder because during that time, what happened was is that um, um, about a month or two after that, we started to have a sort of an exodus of people leaving our church. About 30 to 50 people started leaving our church. And, uh, and that was really difficult for me. 
it was difficult because we started to go through a real big financial crisis. And I started to question if I was really qualified to do this. I started to see myself as a deep failure. And if I can just be honest, those people ended up leaving our church partly because I failed them as their leader. And that's happened. But I'm so grateful that God is the one who's faithful at the end. It's not me, but it's God's faithfulness that sustained this church. But it was hard. Financially, it was hard. And even last year, at the beginning of last year, we had such a financial crisis that we didn't know if we could make it toward the end of the year. In fact, sort of like, like April of last year, we just thought we we're going to have to start laying some staff off. And it was hard. And I'm so grateful because Pastor J- Dan joined our staff and, and our staff worked so hard at working on our budget. And you know what? By God's miracle, through his faithfulness, we ended the year last year, 2019, in the black. And I thank God for that. But there's been so many ups and downs during the season. And now today, I'm, we're, I'm here and I'm preaching to an empty room in front of a camera. And I can't tell you guys, as you're watching this, how weird this is for me. <laughs> this is the weirdest, the most awkward thing I have ever had to do in my entire 16-year pastoral, pastoral career. And here's what I do know that no matter what, no matter where our church goes, no matter how much even I fail, because I fail, and I will continue to fail, God is faithful. No matter what crisis he brings our church into, I've learned over the past 16 years that God is faithful, that I can go and pray during the crisis of what I hope God could partner with us on, but at the end that we have concluded, I've concluded my prayers as, but not my will be done, may your will be done. And as a result of that, because this is a church where God always captures our heart, we're always worship him because God has captured our hearts. And as we do, we experience the joy and the peace and the unity as a church as a result of that. And so we're grateful, and I'm grateful that during any crisis that God still delights in our worship because when we worship him, it affirms that we trust in his faithfulness, in his sovereignty. And that's a beautiful thing. And no matter where we go as a church, we will always have a heart for the least, the last, and the lost. It will always be at the center of what we do. And on this 16th year anniversary, as you and I are all struggling under this crisis of COVID-19, will you declare with me that our God is faithful and that no matter what, that we will always worship him and not only do that for his own pleasure, but so that we can experience the joy that there is in worshiping him. And can we join him in weeping for the lost? Because there is a world out there, particularly during this season, where they would die to have the kind of peace that you and I are experiencing today. That's my hope and my prayer for us as a church on our 16th year anniversary. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. I'm going to give you just a moment, wherever you are, in your homes, just to go to God at this moment and just pray to him. Has your understanding of God been compromised because of COVID-19? Have you questioned God's faithfulness? Listen, if you have, it's okay. Don't feel bad about it. Know that God forgives you. It's okay. But could you get to a place today where you say, God, I'm no longer going to pray only that you do certain things, but I'm going to end my prayer with this adaptive prayer. Not my will be done, but may yours be done. Would you go to him and surrender yourself to him in that way?
And would you pray that God would always capture your heart through the person of Jesus Christ so that you can constantly blow him a tender kiss. And the last thing I want to encourage you to pray for is would you truly pray that God would give you a heart for the lost? I think it's one of the things that we've forgotten as a church. I think we've truly forgotten to have a heart or nor have a desire to want to have a heart for those who don't know him. So I'm just going to give you a few moments to do that and I'm going to close this in prayer. Go to him. Surrender your fears to him right now. Because I know you are. If you're gripped by fear, can you lay it down at the altar? I'm not saying for you not to be fearful anymore. Yeah, we should be concerned. But may you never allow fear to paralyze you. May it never become bigger than God. God didn't create us so that we can be enslaved by our fears today. So whatever gives you that kind of fear that overwhelms you, go to him. Go to him right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that 2,000 years ago, you marched into Jerusalem on a donkey, knowing full well that in a matter of days that you would be crucified on the cross, thriving in agony and pain. Why? Because you love us and you trusted in the faithfulness of our God. Thank you for being such a shining example or sterling example of how we should pursue and follow God. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that. May we know your faithfulness. Help us to know it when we lay down our expectations of you, God. May we know that you're not an employee of ours that we dispatch for our own purposes, but that you are God that deserves to be worshiped through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Capture our hearts. I pray that every home, every person that's watching right now, would you just capture our hearts, Jesus, so that you can help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And most importantly, God, so that you can break our hearts for the things that break your heart, that you would break our hearts for the lost. So please do so, God. Forgive us for not having a heart for the lost during this season and help us, God, to truly weep for the least, the last, and the lost. Use us to be salt and light in this world, in the world that you called us to live. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. How did God speak to you? Well, there's your communication card. You can go online. You can go on a communication card. Here's some next steps that I really would love for you to take. The first one is simply this. I am committing my life to Jesus for the first time. If you are watching for the first time, maybe you're not a follower. You just kind of found a, a Facebook post about this service and you're on it. And if you want Jesus Christ to be a part of your life for the very first time, check that off and we will get to you this week through an email. We'd love to connect with you and give you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Okay? That'll be the first 
interesting. Second, I am going to pray, Peter, not my will, but yours be done this week. That as you go to God, I am telling you to go submit your prayers, your supplications to him. But at the end of your prayer, pray this profound prayer, adaptive prayer, but not my will, but yours be done. Third, I will be faithful to God by inviting my family and friends to Metro's Easter at home live stream service next Sunday. Uh, Easter is a time where people will be open to coming, attending a service, but it's not even attending. It's just about them logging on. Think about five people that you know that you can invite to this. Send them an email. Send them a text message. Give them the link. Encourage them to join us uh, for, for Easter service next Sunday. Also, some things that I, I really want you to take advantage of. Uh, starting tomorrow at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live and on, on, on our YouTube Live and church online, all those different platforms. Um, Pastor David Hosang is going to lead us in Holy Week. You know, we have Holy Week every year, and we used to do it at 6 a.m. at the Metro office. We're going to do it at 8 p.m. so that many of you have an opportunity to log on. But he's going to take us each day through what life was like for Jesus during the last week. And then he's going to tie that in and how that can help us deal with COVID-19, how that can minister to us with COVID-19. So I want to encourage you to tune into that. And he's also going to allow you to ask questions. So please make sure, tune into that on our Facebook Live uh, at 8 p.m. starting tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to being a part of that, especially on Good Friday. Uh, for, uh, fifth thing, I am currently not in a virtual small group, but would like to join one. Maybe during this season, uh, you're not a part of a small group. We're happy to announce that all, most of our small groups are all meeting virtually online. But maybe you kind of weren't able to do so. But now you need community. We want to make sure that you are a part of one. If you would like to be a part of a small group, just check that off and we'll get back to you this week and put you in a virtual small group via Zoom or any other uh, uh, platform, all right? And the very last thing, Pastor Doug, every day at 12 p.m. on Facebook Live and on YouTube and all of our different platforms, he does a daily pause. Just wants you to stop for a moment and be silent before God. Why don't you do that and join us every day at 12 p.m. for a daily pause so that we can know that our God truly is in control of this world.